0: in our midst. And so I said that I wanted to do the story for them. It's part of my sermon. So I'm gonna ask the children to come over. I have a story for you. Come on. Come on. All right, come on. I am gonna sit over here and share some stuff with you. Is that okay? Yeah? All right. I'm a man. I can't deny that fact. And as a man, I'm gonna talk to you today about tools. Mm -hmm. I brought my toolbox. And it's interesting because I have a toolbox that has stickers on it. Because you know, I'm the only man in a house full of women. So and they have to remind me that they're around. So I brought I brought my toolbox here. You know what tools are? Yes. What are they for? For like building stuff. Building stuff? Fixing stuff? Let me see. Let's see if I have. What is this tool used for? Huh? You've seen this? Yeah. Every now and then. You know, sometimes my wife uses it as a hammer. (laughs) But it's not intended to be a hammer. It's intended to screw things in or out. All right, let me see. What is this other thing here? It is a drill. You can use it for a couple things, this one. This one has a tip that is a Phillips screwdriver. So I can drive a screw in somewhere where I need it. Right? Easily. Easily. Or I can drive it out, depending on where I go. What I do, let me see. Let me see. Uh, There are some other... Do you know what this tool is for? Uh, coding. coding? No, it's not coding. It doesn't have batteries, so it doesn't work right now. I took the batteries out. This is what we use sometimes to find studs behind the drywall. X-ray. It's like an x-ray, yes. So when you put the batteries on in here, it has like a sensor inside it, and you move it around the wall and it tells you where there is wood behind the drywall. So that place, that's where you use this one, all right? Let me show you one other tool. You know this tool? <laughs> there you go. <laughs> it's a hammer. <laughs> Not really. It's supposed to be a shoe. It's supposed to be a shoe. We also use this one. What do we use this one for? We use it for climbing sometimes, but we also use it to tie things down or to pull things out or to hang a hammock like I have it in my house. All right, I have some more. What is this? It's a type of wrench, that's right, and it, it's a screwdriver. And you know, every one of these tools, like this one, for example, what is this for? A it's a real hammer, not this one. <laughs> it's a real hammer. Every tool has a specific use. Let me give you an example. The Bible tells me that, there, that God used a tool. That tool was, um, hold on, um, like a tree. Like a tree that was like in fire, but it wasn't burning. You remember that tool? We read that about that in a, a minute ago. There was a little bush that was had fire, but it wasn't burning. And God used that to call the attention of Moses to talk to him. Let me give you another example. God used a tool. Let me see in the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, God used a fish. How did God use a fish in the Old Testament? Jonah! Jonah! You remember that story? Jonah got thrown out of the boat, and as he was drowning, all of a sudden a big fish swallowed him. And for three days he was able to live inside that fish. And God used that fish to teach Jonah a lesson. What was the lesson God taught Jonah with that fish? You have to obey Because when I tell you to go somewhere, you got to go somewhere. Are you with me? Now, today, I will show you God's ultimate tool. The most important of all the tools, and I have some friends. Look at that. Look. Hold on. I have some God's ultimate tool. Let me turn it around, please. Hold it there very carefully. Are you ready? Let's see. Is it open? Yeah, it is. It's right here. God's ultimate tool. Are you ready? You want to learn? You want to see it? Look. You know what is this? It represents something that God used. Um, uh, That's right. They used it. To hang Jesus on the cross Imagine this Can I have your hand please They used this And drove it through his hand mm-hmm. How does it feel Let me see your hand <laughs> Look They used this and drove it to Jesus Through Jesus hand it feels, cold. it feels cold because it is Yeah It feels cold And they put it in there And then with a hammer like that they just hit it over here and then broke Jesus' hand all the way through and hung him on a cross so that you and I could be saved. Imagine that. Now, God can use you also as a tool. Can you imagine that? God can use you as a tool. God can use everybody. Thank you, guys. Thank you, guys. God can use everybody. To save the world, because you see, after all, that's God's job, saving the world, saving the world. And that is what we're going to be talking about today for our adults and for you guys. Thank you so much. Do we do anything else or do we have a prayer just after that? Let's have a short prayer. Thank you, Jesus, for teaching us wonderful, wonderful lessons, even through simple things, for reminding us that you are trying to save the world. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, guys. Go back to your seat. All right, now after I've made a mess over here. (laughs) So what's in your hand? I'm going to begin my sermon today with a a statement from a lady that had... Apparently has disappeared from some of our pulpits. But we need to remind remind ourselves she's still our prophetess. She's still the one person God chose to give us important messages that we need to hear. I'm gonna read from the book of Christian service, page 86. Christian Service, page 86, and it says, The world needs missionaries. The big problem is, and I'm going to stop there, is that when we think about missionaries, we think about sending people halfway around the world. But listen to what she says immediately after that. The world needs missionaries, consecrated home missionaries. Home missionaries. What is she talking about? To send people halfway around the world? Well, she's talking about that a little bit because we do need to send missionaries all over the world. We need to preach the gospel. We need to teach people about the things that we have learned. We do. But she says that it all begins with home missionaries. I'm going to use a Catholic priest now to support what Ellen White says. Can I do that? St. Francis of Assisi. You know what he said? He said, preach the gospel, and if necessary, use words. <laughs> preach the gospel, and if necessary, use words. What's, what's that all about? It is about the way we live our lives, right? It is about, then we understand what Sister White says, about home missionaries. You are a missionary wherever you stand, wherever you are. And let me finish reading the statement because it is very interesting. The world needs missionaries, consecrated home missionaries, and no one will be registered in the books of heaven as a Christian who has not a missionary spirit. That's a powerful statement. When I was a young preacher starting my ministry 28 years ago, I, went to a ch- I was a pastor at a church, and I used this Bible text. I, I used, I'm sorry, I used this quote from Ellen White. And I read it in the church, and immediately after I read it, A guy was sitting in the back of the church, stood up, and walked all the way through the middle of the church with his Bible, his hymnal, and his Sabbath school lesson. Came all the way to the platform and said, if that is true, I don't want anything to do with this church. Put his Bible, his hymnal, and his Sabbath school lesson, and walked out to never come back to the church. And the sad part is he was the director of missionary spirit at the church, It is important that we understand this. This is very important. Sister White says that our names will not be written in the Book of Heaven if we do not have a missionary spirit. And I want to go on record today and teach you today. If you can learn anything out of my sermon today, this is the most important thing. It's not about standing up and preaching a sermon. It's not about going halfway around the world it's about your spirit, what you do on a daily basis. I'm teaching a class at, La- at uh, Loma Linda University. And uh, we, do, we do online classes, so we had this discussion board online. Since we don't have a classroom, we teach online. The students have to talk among themselves. I post a question, and they have to talk among themselves. And the question I posted was, hey guys, someone said that for me to be a good Christian, I need to live my Christianity the other six days of the week more than I live it on the one day that I go to church. How does my... Seventh-day Adventists believe, affect the way I treat people around me, the people that I live with, the people that I share life with. That's the most important thing because if we don't learn how to do this, it will happen. something will happen that has been happening later on. I read somebody saying on Facebook, I would rather have lunch with an atheist than a Christian. That is... Because we do have so many things to do. But the problem is that we many times forget that we have been called to be missionaries. We have been given the priesthood of all believers. I think I'm alone in this place today. We forget that the Lord has called us to be his representatives wherever we are. I'm gonna read one more thing from Ellen White. If the church members do not individually take hold of this work, what work? Then they show that they have no living connection with God. Their names are registers registered as slothful servants. Woo! I don't mind. I don't want to hear that about myself. So let's go to the story of today's sermon. Is that okay? We can go to Exodus chapter 3. Let's begin in chapter 3. Because there is something interesting that is happening. Most of the time, when I, when I relate with people that are not Christians, that do not believe in the things that I believe, they tell me that they have a difficulty understanding God because they feel God is too far away from them. They feel like God doesn't care for the needs of human beings. Is that true? No! No! Every time I read the Bible, I find a God that is willing to step out of heaven and come into earth. Every time I read the Bible, I find God willing to go search for the one that is lost. It begins in Genesis chapter 3. The, the world was perfect, Genesis 1 and 2, right? Then chapter 3 comes around and we, we mess it up. But here's the interesting thing. God knew that Adam and Eve had made a mistake that they made, right? Still God came looking for Adam and Eve as they were hiding. You see that? And here in Exodus chapter 3, one book later, we find God doing exactly the same. God says to Moses, I've heard the cries of my people. I have not forgotten. They may feel like I have forgotten, but no, for 430 years, they have been slaved over here in Egypt. I have heard their cry. I'm ready to come save them. But I need somebody to help me. Moses, I need you. Moses, come on. Let's go free the people of Israel. And let's read. Let's read it as it is in the Bible. Chapter 3, you know, verses from 1 to uh, verse 5. You know, Moses sees the burning bush, he goes over there and the lord says no take off, take off your shoes you are moses you are in holy excuse me you are in holy pray in a holy play, pr- place verse 7 and i'm reading from the king james version and the lord said i have surely seen the affliction of my people people which are in egypt and i can say without a doubt right now that we can change what it says in here We can put it in there. I have seen, I have surely seen the affliction of my people which are in California. Or I have seen the affliction of my people which are in Loma Linda or in Crestline. I have seen the afflictions. And I have heard their cry by reason of their task makers, masters, for I know their sorrows. This is interesting. The word I know their sorrows. In the Bible, the word know means intimate knowledge. Adam knew his wife Eve and she conceived. It's intimate knowledge. I know their sufferings. I have suffered with them, is exactly what he's saying. So the idea that God is far away from our sufferings and our, and our pains, it's a foreign language to God because God suffers along with us as we suffer. I'm not going to go into theodicy right now because this is, this is a too difficult t- uh, sermon to preach. This is another sermon <laughs> Maybe we can talk about it later on. But what I'm going to go to is to the point that when we suffer, God suffers along with us. God knows our sorrows. And God never, ever leaves us alone to our sorrows. He always looks for someone who would go and represent Him. The problem is here. What happened with Moses? The one that was born with the purpose of freeing the people. Remember that? He was born with the purpose of freeing the people of Israel. God chose him from before his birth to be the liberator of Israel. What happened to him? Every time God told him, Moses made it about him, not about God. This is very important that we understand it. Because the big problem that we have as we face the realities of this world is that we make the realities of this world about ourselves. First question, the first uh, excuse that Moses gives to God is, Who am I? And notice how God responds to the who am I question from Moses. Tell them, I am that I am. So for every existential question the human being has, God has the answer. God, who am I to go over there? I'm sending you. But who am I? I'm sending you, Moses. All right, next question. Who do I send? Who do I tell them that send me? First, the first question is, who am I? The second question is, under whose authority? And Moses, once again, is forgetting something. What is he speaking to? (laughs) Are you not, is is that little detail not getting to you, (laughs) Moses? You're talking to a burning bush. Are you forgetting? Right when you were coming close to the burning bush, the burning bush, out of the burning bush, came a voice that says, "Take off your shoes, because you're standing on holy ground." Did you not forget? Did you forget already? Who's the one talking with you? Who's the one giving you the order? Who's the one giving us the order? to be missioners, home missioners. Ellen White, Pastor Omania? And here's the interesting thing. Moses never gets out of himself in the conversation with God. First question is, who am I? Second question is, under whose authority I go? Third question is, they won't believe me. Excuses, excuses, and excuses. They will not believe me. And you know why people don't believe us when we say the things that we say? There was a pastor once that I heard once say, because we preach the truth like if it was a lie. And that's exactly what Moses is going through right now, right? Who am I? Under whose authority? And now they won't believe me. How many we have? How many excuses we have? Kids? Three excuses, right? There's one more. I don't know how to speak. I st- 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 stutter. I don't know how to speak. And then, uh, uh, if you read, now this is in chapter 4, by the way. If you read chapter 4, and if you read God's response to Moses, he says, who gave man its mouth? Who created the mouth of the human being? But Lord, Lord, I don't want to go. Why is Moses so focused on himself? Have you ever thought about that? Answer that question for a moment. Why is Moses so focused on himself? Security? Security, Was he afraid? Insecurity. Insecurity. What were the circumstances upon which he had to leave Egypt? Here's the problem. When Moses was 40 years old, he understood that he had been called to liberate the people of Israel. But he was trying to liberate the people of Israel Israel under his own might. It was all about him. The big problem with Moses is that he went into the wilderness for 40 more years, and God wanted to teach him lessons about about his own strength. Yet he learned the lessons, but kept it about himself. And here's one important lesson. Have you ever realized that the struggles that you and I have, we struggle with them for years and years and years to come? You ever realize that? But Lord, please send somebody else. You know, he uses another he uses an interesting statement. Let's 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 review. What's the first excuse? Who am I? What's the second excuse? Who sends me? What's the third one? They won't believe me. The fourth one. I can't speak. Finally he said, Lord. Send, I pray thee, send somebody else. Send somebody else. And then the Lord does something interesting that I don't know if you have noticed. Sometimes we tell God that we know better. This is exactly what is happening at that moment. Moses is telling God, I know better. I am better than you. I know better than you. So God uses what I call... um, I I, I wrote it down because... And sometimes I, I forget what I call the permissive providence of God. In other words, God says, okay, you don't want to do it, I'm going to send Aaron to go with you and speak for you. What is interesting is, what's the, best, what's the biggest problem that Moses gets into right after he liberates the Israelites? Immediately after they cross, immediately after they cross the Red Red Sea, the first problem that Moses has to deal with was caused by Aaron and his sister Miriam. (coughs) Are you with me? So... Had Moses heard the word of God and followed what God had asked him to do is I'm sending you, you go. You don't need to worry about anything else. I'm sending you, but no, God, send somebody else. I pray thee. Okay, I'm going to send Aaron with you, but you're going to pay the consequences for doing what you want to do, not what I am asking you to do. That is the permissive, the permissive providence. Of God. God has to accommodate his plans to us human beings. And we pay the consequences for that. Moses had to pay the consequences for that. Not only right after they crossed the Red Sea, they get to the mountain. And Moses goes up into the mountain and he gets the tablets from God. Remember that? And what is Aaron doing down And Aaron is supposed to be the representative of God. You see, we tend to tell God to put His plans under our subjection. And the problem is that when we do that, God says, "Okay, I'm going to let you do it, but then we pay the consequences of what we have decided that we want to do. We need to get out of the way and let God be God. We need to be able to obey the word of God when God says, I'm calling you, I need you to go liberate my people. Yes, Lord, I will go. I'm imperfect. Yes, you are. But here's the interesting thing why would God use broken vessels? Huh? I want you to think about this. Why would God use a broken vessel? Dan, you said something about that when you were talking about the offerings. You see, a broken vessel cannot hold the water inside. It spills it all over because it's broken. So because of our brokenness, God spills the blessings around us. Are you with me? We cannot hold the blessing inside because we're broken. God lets it out. And please understand me, I'm not saying that we should stay broken. That's not what I'm saying. That's the reason why there is grace and there's a plan of salvation. God wants us to be better. God wants us to grow. God wants us to heal, God wants to heal our brokenness. But healing our brokenness includes letting some of the blessings out. That way, he can bless others. Let me read the, the statements from Ellen White again. Under the light of what we had just discussed. Is that Okay. Let me go back. The world needs missionaries. Consecrated home missionaries. And no one will be registered in the books of heaven as a Christian who has not a missionary spirit. If the church members do not individually take home hold of this work, Then they show that they have no living connection with God. Their names are registered as slothful servants. God is in the business of saving the world. That's his job. That's God's job. But God cannot save this world unless you and I allow him to use us. As broken tools as we may have been. We may be like a drill without a battery. We need to get plugged into the power, right? Where does the power come from? We may be a knife that has lost its sharpness. We We may need to be sharpened. The reality is God has called us, has given us the responsibility to change the world. God has given us the responsibility to show them who he is and what he wants. Are we going to respond to the call? Are we going, or are we going to be like Moses? Please send somebody else. And the Lord's going to send somebody else. But, you're going to miss on a blessing. You are going to miss on a blessing. So today I'm standing in front of you to tell you the Lord is calling me, I will do it. I will respond. Will you? And remember, I'm going to use again the words of St. Francis of Assisi preach the gospel. And if necessary, use words. God bless you today.